Welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. The word primitive um, originally means originally means first or original of its kind. So it's on our hearts and um, on Pastor Kevin's heart in particular for us to journey and really discover what this is, that what is the original, what we are meant to be originally, what is the church originally supposed to be, and that is where we find power. That's where we find what our purpose is, and, and we cut through all the, the things about culture and the things about style, which changes with time, but rather the things that don't change, these unshakables, which actually where the power comes from. So that's where we're going to speak from the next few moments, and we're going to go from a few piece, um, portions of scripture, mainly Acts, um, and I'm going to read from verse 40, and then we're going to go to John 15, which is another one of my favorites, and uh, we're going to read together. Um, does anyone here have their Bible with them? <gasps> oh my goodness, yes, come on. I expect, after Kevin's message last week, I expected more, okay? Josephine, come on. Right, next week. I want to see some of these. When Kevin says, and we've got their Bibles, come on. Phones are all right, but, you know, paper never forgets. <laughs> but it's all right. I've got you covered. This one's big enough for all of us, right? So we can look on together. And we've also got what we call the wall Bibles as well. So there's a few in the back. So we won't get lost. So um, I'm going to read from Acts, um, Acts 2 and verse 14. I'm going to read a few verses there. Then we're going to go for John 15. And we're going to see um, where the Lord shows us. And uh, so to set the context, Acts 2, this is the day of Pentecost. This is the day when Jesus was talking about, I'm going to put on these days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And, and Peter preaches this message and, and all the people there were, they were touched to the heart. And they wanted to be in on what God was doing. And this is what happens. And I'll start from reading from verse 40. And with many other words, he's testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possession and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So this is, this is going to be our framework section of scripture for the series that we're doing. And uh, so if you want to you know, incorporate that into your, your scripture reading, it's great to, I love this because it's kind of like, it takes me back down to the simplicity of this is what the church is supposed to be. And uh, it's good for me and, and it's good for us as well, especially for the season. Now, John 15, what we're going to do is we're going to read a section of scripture um, which, will, which will talk about um, how, that, how that works in our lives. So John 15, that's going to go up on the screen in the message version this time. And I'm going to read from verse 12. This is my command. Love, another, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. 
you are my friends, this is Jesus talking, by the way, if you're my friends, if you'll do, if you do whatever I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master's thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the master. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask in the Father, or you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. So this morning we're going to journey and talk about the subject I've entitled, The Powerhouse. The Powerhouse, right? The, there's the thing about words, right? Sometimes things in life just tend to change value. You know, like um, I, I, use, I don't use a tablet in here because um, I get, got annoyed with all the um, the notifications and stuff that come on while I'm trying to look through notes or whatever. So I just use paper now. It's old school, right? <laughs> old school millennials. You'll never hear that. But um, so I things change over time. And that same tablet that um, I do for other things, um, like going on the internet and studying cafes or whatever, um, when I first got it, I would like, I'd treasure it, I'd protect it, you know, I'd, I'd do everything in my, in my power to, to make sure I look after it well. And now I can't even count the amount of times I've dropped it. Uh, I can't, and the same with my phone as well. I always have screen protectors on them, so I don't really care what happens. I haven't broken a, a smartphone in like five years or something because I just protect them all the time. But, but when I first get them, I, I have a high sense of value and honor and a, a protection around what, happen, what I do with them, how I treat them. And, and with this word primitive, right, this is one of the words that's changed over time as well. It started meaning, well, this is, this is first, it's original, first of its kind, and then now it means rudimentary, simple, you know, like basic, neolithic, if you're going to talk about human beings, a primitive man is like very basic early man, and how that has changed in meaning as well. And even the word powerhouse, the, the term that um, I'm using to talk about um, this morning, that originally, now you, you would... Um, accommodate that to somebody who's full of power or somebody who has a lot of strength. But originally, it was just a place where power is generated. So how things change over time. It's quite funny, that, isn't it? And um, we have this, we're talking about the church, where this primitive power series is mainly about what the church is, what the church represents. And, and over the years, the word church has changed. So in Scripture, Jesus is actually the first person to bring up this concept of church. Some of you may know where I'm going. Matthew 16, where Jesus, he's posing a question to his disciples. And he says, who do men say that I am? And then people, they said to him, oh, some think you're John the Baptist, probably because of repentance talking. And some think you're Elijah because he did works. And others may think, oh, you're one of the prophets because he spoke the word of God. But then he says, who do you say I am? And then Peter says, you are... Christ the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So Jesus, in verse 16, says this, 17, says, answers and says to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's what we have now is the, the birth of the church. 
So this word church, and this is what we have now as church, but in this text it was called this word ecclesia. And the main word that means is, is gathering. It's not a religious at all, is it? It just sounds like a word. It's just gathering. So Jesus is saying, upon this rock, he calls Peter Petros, which means stone, little stone. And then he says, upon this rock, Petra, which is a big stone himself, I will build a gathering. So upon himself, I will, upon himself, he will build his gathering. So this wasn't based on what we see now or what we think is church. Actually, the church is supposed to be something, a gathering of people called out of where they were in their lives, their houses, to gather and to be people that have authority, that actually see things bound which should be bound and loose things which should be loose. This is the house of God. And this one, we are operating as the church that originally was supposed to be. There won't be a thing that comes against your life that you'll be afraid of. There won't be a thing that's bigger than you won't be a thing that will occupy your mind longer than a split second because you have the power you have the keys to the kingdom whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven this is the church this is the church that jesus is building this is the church that had power this is the powerhouse but then over time words change and then we have different seasons of you know, denominationalism and whatever. And then this word that we understand now is church. And if you Google this or look in the Oxford or Cambridge Dictionary, church is based from this Germanic word, which basically means a building where people gather for Christian worship. So somehow over time, and even in our thinking, the church has become more about the building than about the people. But let me tell you that God wants to bring power back to his church. God wants to do something more. God is bigger than a building. He's bigger than a Sunday service. He's bigger than even a prayer meeting. He wants to make us the people of God who actually go and see darkness come to light. People come into salvation. People who have been bondaged by the enemy and be set free in an instant. Jesus says in Luke 14, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Healing of the brokenhearted. Proclaiming liberty to the captives. The recovery of sight to the blind. There is something about the church which God is bringing back. And oh my goodness, I have seen the past year or so, whatever, I've been traveling and hearing the stories of, of pastors and being in meetings, and there is a hunger for the power of God. There's a hunger for the things of God. There's a hunger, a resurgence, a, a revival of seeing. We don't want to just hear messages. We don't want to just sing songs. We want to be the church of power. We want to be the people of power to bring this city to light. And that's what we're going through in this season, that we're returning. We're returning to this, this, this truth that we're supposed to be a powerful people. We're supposed to be a people that don't, don't just accept the status quo. Don't just accept things how they are. See, the spirit world sees things as they are, but he gives us, Jesus gives us the power and authority to deal with those things and bring them into the light. So we as the church are, we are supposed to be a gathering of people, a people of power. In Acts 2, we have this account where last, um, last week, um, Pastor Kevin was talking about the, um, the word of God, the apostle, um, apostles' doctrine. I'm going to continue talking about this word, um, fellowship. 
And in Acts 2, we see this account after Peter preaches. And in verse 43, um, fear comes upon... Actually, I'll start from verse 42. So remember this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In other words, once isn't enough to get you in shape. They continued steadfastly. You know, suddenly doesn't come suddenly. That's how we pray and think sometimes. We just want a suddenly. But actually... A lot of the times, it comes after continuing steadfastly. You know, I heard about the, um, the creator of Amazon. You know, it took him 10 years to break through to where they are just now, where, you know, you won't do shopping without thinking of Amazon, right? But it took him 10 years. So in 10 years, you can be an overnight success. So, <laughs> so they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now here is, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Can you look at society? Can you say that people were together and have all things in common? When you look at the workplace, would you think, yeah, we, we, we all think the same things. We all have the same values. And... But this is what the church is. It continued... And then, and then here it is, they sold all their possessions, not all their possessions, they sold their possessions and goods and divided them all as anyone had need. Can you think of any environment where you've been in that nobody has had a need that, hasn't, that can't be met? Have you been in any environment where you have people that, you know, there's people that are more well off and then there's people that are just, that are just um, don't have enough at all and, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of means of meeting those needs? Of, but this church is just like, we're not going to have that. This is a place where if you have needs, if you need prayer, if you, there's something there's been an emergency in your house, we don't want you to be in that on your own. No, because we're the church. We are, we're in this together. We, if you need prayer, if you need breakthrough, we're standing with you because the power flows not in our individuality, but in our unity. I was reading this morning in Psalm 100-something in my, in my yearly plan, and, and um, David, he's saying that how blessed it is for the people of God to dwell in unity. And he likens it to, to an anointing oil for priests. That there's, so there's an anointing that flows just because we stick together. There's a power that flows just because we're together. And then in this place, we are, we're talking about power, and, this, and the power flows through unity. And it's a unity with God that they continued steadfastly in the teaching and unity with one another that they met daily. They, they, they shared everything and they had all things in common. If you need power, can I tell you, be unified with the church. Because let me tell you, what you're one with will be the source of your power. If you're one with discouragement, you'll draw something from that. If you're one with fear, then you'll draw something from that. Let me tell you, if you're one with the power of God, if you're one with the people of God, then you'll draw power from that. And I can tell you that we are a powerhouse, not because of anything we are individually, but who we are together. Who we are together gives us power. Who we are together gives us significance. Let me tell you, you are a powerhouse. If you feel powerless, let me prophesy and declare over you, you are a powerhouse because you're in the house of God. And Martin talked about it so beautifully. What the house of God is, it starts with the dinner table, but it ends with the ends of the earth. 
It starts at a table, starts at a meal. It starts with us saying, well, not my will, but your will be done. And then the fruit from that extends to a whole earth. This is the people of God. We are the people of God, and we are a powerhouse. When you're connected to him, he flows from you. Connected to one another, because we know there's times when we're, we go through these trials and pains, and we just feel alone, and we think, ah, oh, nobody understands me. But let me tell you, when you connect yourself to the house, not only will you find understanding, you'll find power. And you'll find breakthrough. You are a powerhouse. You are powerful, because the house of God is the place of power. That you are God's hands and feet in this earth. When you're connected to him. I love that. Like he, Martin talked about, like I'm a, I, my former job is a project coordinator, and he, so he said the Holy Spirit's a project coordinator. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that's cool. I'm a, pro, I'm a project coordinator, yes. But how Jesus is the project manager, and then through us, he extends his will, he extends his power, he extends his kingdom through us. So let me tell you, you are powerful. It's a few things about this power and how we remain in power. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so because we're not all that smart. We don't remember stuff all the time. But let me tell you, if you one of the keys to being, remaining in power is, number one, it's not about you. It's not about you. And for me, I've, I've been through a lot of different seasons and, and times in my life where I'm actually glad it's not about me. And when you look in, in society and look on social media and look at all the news channels, can you, can you easily say that, you know, there's an agenda that's being pushed. There's something that's being, that's in your face that it's not actually about the greater good. It's about pushing an agenda. It's about pushing a belief. And it's this whole sort of self-facing, sort of egotistic, narcissistic view that people think, well, if I believe it's true, then who are you to argue? And there's, that's what we're facing. And it's actually interesting, maybe you may not know this, but actually the word narcissist, um, narcissist comes from um, Greek mythology. There's this uh, hunter, warrior called um, Narcissus, and the legend is he's, he's really good looking, you know, like uh, he's, and he's really strong, and, and he's, well, in his own eyes, perfect, and no one can match up to his beauty. So then he's walking by, like, um, I think it's like a lake or something, he's walking by, and then he catches a glimpse of his own reflection, and he's just so enamored with his own reflection. And then these, he hears somewhere like he, he stood in this place so long staring at himself that like he turned into a flower. If you, some of you are botanists, you might know that flower. And there's another version where people have actually said that he was unable to consummate this relationship with himself, so, so he just jumped and drowned in the pool of water because he couldn't have himself. Like... That's ridiculous, isn't it? And maybe we can't relate to those stories directly, but how many people know sometimes in life when you feel that you're fearful, when you're resentful, when you're bitter, and when you try to live life, you find a struggle because you're drowning in yourself. Drowning in what you feel in the inside and and nobody understands you. No, nobody knows what you're going through because when you see yourself, that's all you see. And there might not be a way out, but let me tell you, there is a way out. There is a way out of this, 
this idea of drowning in yourself. You don't have to limit your life to just what you've experienced right now. In Acts 40, um, Peter's preaching to the crowd. And, um, and this is where they were drowning in the pool themselves. He, he preaches and, and he tells them to repent and be saved from this perverse generation. So in this moment, with many other words, he, and then I'll read from, actually I'll read verse 41. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. So at the point of them saying, I'm going to turn away from myself, that is when power flowed. That's when multiplication happened. But it's not about you, and I'm glad about that, because if life is all about me, then life is only limited to me. It'll only ever be as big as I am. It'll never be as smart as I am. But if it's about something bigger than myself, it's about something or someone greater than myself, then I'm limiting my life by that greater person. If my life's all about Jesus, then it's as big as Jesus. If it's all about other people, then it's as big as the people that I'm talking and about reaching and, 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 and reaching into, um, and to be encouraged by. And if, and if life is more about, about me than my life, is bigger. You increase your life when you say, actually, it's not about you. It's actually about what can happen through me. I'm not the focus. I'm, I'm the channel. In Jesus, in John 15, he says, this is my command. Love one another the way I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. It's the backwards kingdom. We think sometimes we gain by shirking back or resisting or holding on and controlling a little bit more. But actually, when you release, more happens. Earlier in, in, um, in the Gospel, John, Jesus says, unless a seed dies and falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. There's an element where in our lives, actually, sometimes the breakthrough we're praying for is what we're unwilling to release. So what I've learned in my life, anytime I'm feeling that I'm dry or um, I'm restricted, die quickly. <laughs> just, just, just whatever it is, like if I'm, I'm feeling financially strained, just give. If I'm feeling like I'm discouraged, just encourage. If I'm feeling fearful, just step out. And then I, then I realize that that fear or what was holding me back wasn't actually bigger than me. When it's more than about me and my condition and my feelings, then actually I actually rise up above what I'm, I was previously constricted by. Die quickly. Just re- release it. And this is the very best way to love, and it's the very best way to live. There's financial advisors that are, that are coming out of the woodworks that are actually just talking about this without using his name. Because they realize that what's in the scriptures, they're on to something. So, it's not about you. And when you, it's not about you, your power is not limited by you. Another thing is that you have divine connection, duty, and insight. You have divine connection, duty, and insight. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. There's so much in this, in this grind, I guess, of um, Martin was saying like how it's busy. There's a lot of work that can go into church sometimes. And, and people said that, and that's sometimes what you hear. 
And I found whenever I do work or whenever I focus on commands, and if I don't have connection, eventually I feel powerless. Eventually I'm exhausted when I do things out of, out of command, rather, out of my connection to God. So Jesus says, ditch the servant thing. I'm not even referring to as a servant because if you're a servant, then you don't have any, you're not confided in, like there's no one that will tell you anything, but actually you have divine connection. Jesus calls you a friend. And how do you, how do you love your friends? You, you know what they like, you know their heart, and then when they ask you to do something, you know the why behind what you do. And when you do that, then it's like, okay, I want to do that, not because I have to, but because I'm connected to my friend. And we all have friends who we know how to speak to the, or love languages or whatever you want to call them or the, how they function. And it's because of, not out of duty, but out of relationship. And Jesus says that you're not servants. In other words, he's not just the project manager saying, you do this, 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 and this, and this. And if you don't do that, we're behind and then you're going to be in trouble. Like, no, you're my friend. You're my friend, and I've given you divine insight. I've let, I've let you, what's the wording here? It says, because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. How's he done that? He's done that in his word. Everything that we need to know how to live a godly life, how to live a life of better relationships. He's already laid out the framework for us. It's not hard to come by. We can have it on our phones. We can have it in paper. But, but the most important things, this is not just a manual. This is the very person of God. This is the very person of God. And it's not just limited to paper. This is actually what wrote this, which some people don't get. The Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. When you, when you read the word, when you ingest the word, when you meditate on the word, what you're doing is you're actually building up your spirit. Do you know how sharp your prayers come when you've been reading scripture? you know how sharp your love can be when you've just, when you've just been in the time of worship and reading the word? It becomes, I, I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because this is actually like, um, it's like a sweet spot for my life. I'm, hit, I'm in the right strike zone. I'm in the right place when I'm following the word because when I follow the word, there's a sharpness to my life. And he's made everything clear and open to us because of his word. Let me encourage you. I would go back and listen to Kevin's message from last week as well. But it's the very person of God. When you read his word, then you're going to be able to do what he's commanded you to do. And get this, his commands aren't hard. <laughs> Love one another in the same manner that he has loved you. You're basically repeating an experience. The Savior who died for you, you can then lay down your life in the, in the manner that serves someone else. And you'll find power. You'll find freedom. When you meet with one another and say, well, I'm not going to love you out of my lack today. I'm going to love you in the same manner that Christ loved me. He gave me everything. He gave me his grace. He gave me his peace. He gave me his very essence. And that's why I extend to you. You have divine connection. You are not alone. You have divine insight. You are in the know. You're in the inside. You're not on the outside looking in. You're in the inside. 
You have everything you need to know. John 1, uh, 1 John, he says that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. How do you know all things? Because he's given you his word. And when you focus on his word, you won't be deceived. You won't be blind. You won't be powerless because you have his word. This is who we are as church. This is who we are that gives us power. We're not about the building. We're about gathering with the Savior and loving, being connected to the vine, extending power because of our connection to the Savior because we have divinity. We have a divine connection. And I'm going to close with this as the keys can come and join me on stage. That we are, this, is, this life is not about us. It's a flow in power. It's not about us. That we have divine connection and duty and insight. That we do things not because we have to. I mean, I'm going to talk about this in a sec. I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. But actually, I'm only doing something because it was in God's heart for it to be done. So what I do is an extension of the heart of God. And lastly, when we remain in power, when we are this powerhouse, we realize that I'm anointed by God. This is God's idea. I'm anointed by God. I don't know about you if you've done long journeys or done something like yeah, you guys have, right? <laughs> they drove from London yesterday. <laughs> but, they, but sometimes we, if we've done something over and over and over again, and time, time, time again, sometimes we forget how we get there. Like you can just drive to work and you're on autopilot, and you're like, whoa, I'm at work. You're like, how did this happen, you know? And then sometimes in, in faith, we can actually get to that place ourselves. Well, I've been in church 20 years, or I've known the Lord all my life, and sometimes we forget how we actually got there. And then we think it was our idea. And we think it was our idea, then we'll shape it for our own feelings. If it's my idea, then I can do what I want with it. If it's my idea, then all the credit and glory should come to me, because, hey, it's, it's mine. That's not how power flows in your life. Jesus says this in, in John 16, 15, 16. And he says, you did not choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil. Have you ever done something where, you know, you, you just know it has a shelf life on it? And that's fruit. could be a season. A lot of the times it's because we did something in our own strength, in our own ingenuity. We manufactured the voice of God and we acted out. We've all been there. Things that we thought was a God idea, it was just actually a good idea in our heads. And then we come to pass and then we say, well, God, didn't you say? He wants to bring us back to this point saying, hey, you, this was not your idea. Remember, I chose you. I appointed you. You're not the originator. You are not the source. Jesus is the source. Whether this time span is three minutes or three decades, Jesus chose you. You did not choose God. He chose you. 
He chose you before the foundation of time. He chose you before you even had the mind to, to accept Jesus into your life. He made the offer. Now, all we do is react. We respond. He started it, and he's been choosing people ever since. He is not beyond choosing anybody. I hope you understand that. That is not man's idea to, to, to siphon off and put people in boxes. This is a hierarchy. These are a chosen frozen. These people are, not, are, just, are just damned for eternity. No, no. He has put the offer out to all mankind. It is, he is the originator. He is the savior. I am just a channel for that. It didn't start with me and it's never designed to end with me. But he's, saying, he's appointed me to... To, to be and bear be a fruit bearer to bear fruit for eternity. In other words, what I do in this life shouldn't spoil. It shouldn't run out. It should outlive me. And that's a good thing because if you do something that outlives you, you're operating in a power that's bigger than you. You're operating something that's bigger than you. So I didn't start it. So then if I didn't start it, then I know where to go if I need guidance for the future. Because there's somebody that's already there. There's somebody that's already calling us forward. And let me tell you that the future doesn't just happen. It counts on us responding as a collective people because there's times when we may want to walk away. There's times when we feel discouraged and want to pull back. But can I tell you that nobody gets stronger by pulling back? Nobody breaks through by pulling back. Nobody gets through by trying to do things on their own steam and their own ideas. You break through by gathering together as a people and we're saying, we're going to believe for God's will. We're going to pray, pray with you and break through. We're going to give you guidance if you need it. But more than that, we're going to go through together. Because the house of God together where the power flows. With Jesus as the head. It's his idea. This what we're seeing here, it's not about style, it's not about duration or whatever. This is about a savior. It is only ever about a savior. He didn't, we didn't choose him. He chose us. He is the originator. And if he's the originator, then that is where the original source of power comes from. In this place, you are a powerhouse. But not because of anything special you've done. It's because of everything special that he is. Together in this place, we will see breakthrough. We will see healing. We will see these things because it's not in our power that we do it. He says later in this verse, anything that you ask, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. So we're not asking out of our own will, our own emotions. We're asking out of everything Jesus is already declared to do. And in that, you have power. And I encourage you, don't go in your own name. Don't go in your own ideas. Go with an inspiration from the Father saying that the Father has revealed this to me. This is what he wants for this life, for this season, for this place. And that is the word I'm declaring. The word of God became flesh and the word of God is becoming flesh. I can see it all over this room. Areas where you've been struggling. When you go at it, not in your own name, but in the name of Jesus, you will see breakthrough. You will see things grow because when you're connected to the vine, you will produce a fruit which lasts for eternity. God is building his church.
in power. Power is coming back to this church. Let's stand in this place. Hebrews 10 says to not to neglect meeting with one another because when we meet with one another, we strengthen one another. We, we remind ourselves that we are in this together. We are together united under a common name. This name is Jesus Christ. He is the name above other, all other names. He is the power of all other powers in this world. And he is greater than depression. He's greater than isolation. He's greater than sickness. He's greater than unemployment. He's greater than fear. He's greater than all addictions. And Lord, we gather under your name today, God, that you unite us as a body, Lord, and let your anointing flow through this week, God, not just be a Sunday thing, a Sunday moment, but rather a gathering of people called out into society to shift a culture, called out to shift a generation, called out to see your miracle life come to pass. Father, we declare in this place, Lord, that we are powerful. We are not weak. We are strong. Let the weak say I am strong. And I thank you, Jesus, that we are not beneath because we're not operating in our own name. We're operating in your name, Lord Jesus. And under that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your name. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.